Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, 845-277-9373 is the number to get at us at Cats Talk Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook. TV, man, what's going on up in your neck of the woods, sir? It's, it's been raining. That's about the name of the game. Eventually I'm going to have to cut this grass, but uh, it's been rain, rain, rain all through the holiday weekends. Uh, but other than that, it's going pretty good. That's it. It went from dry and just hot and muggy and 95 and 98 degrees. Then the rain cooled it down, but it's still muggy and sticky. And like you said, the rain is it's raining like April. You know, it's, the shower's coming up all the time. And as soon as you, if you get time to squeeze in to cut the grass, by the time you get the last blade done and you look back at the beginning where you started, it's already time to start all over again because it is it is growing quick with all this rain in the summer that's right that's right definitely unusual but uh a good show uh on tap tonight there's still stuff going on even during the kind of dead months of uh july and august these dog days of summer summer there's still a lot of stuff to talk about absolutely we have Former UK Wildcats playing in the NBA Summer League. Uh, Coach Cal with the recruiting manifesto. Um, football news, a few commitments from in-state uh, as the talent in Kentucky is continuing to stay in Kentucky uh, for Mark Stoops and company. Um, the NBA free agency is going crazy. Uh, it was jumping last week anyway, and this time, I mean, your Lakers stay in the news regardless, and they're still kind of in there, but there's some teams jumping up and overshadowing them, and we got a, a little tug of war going on uh, for a particular big man who is in L.A., does not a Laker. We'll get to all that as that story just continues to take twists and turns. Um, we're going to have to Harlan County up the show, you know, every time – I mentioned Harlan County. You kind of roll your eyes and, and sigh. You know, same thing when I do when you kind of talk about the Lakers. I kind of roll my eyes. and uh, But we got a Harlan County up the show tonight. Um, as we have the head coach of the Harlan County Black Bears going into his first season at the helm, Eddie Creech, will join us. Last year he came on uh, as a member of Tom Larkey's staff, but there's been a change made. 
Uh, and Eddie is the head coach, and we look forward to talking to him, previewing the season. Uh, practice starts Monday. We're going to get all the stuff going on with my Holland County Black Bears. We'll get all caught up on what's going on there. So that's going to be fun. He's going to be on with us at 7. Um, you can call in, tweet us, as we mentioned, with us, the number 845-277-9373, um, and at Cast Talk Wednesday, at Vinnie Hardy, at T-Brown underscore 80. Many, many ways to get at us. And is there anything on uh, Soapbox Alert that you want to start off with? You just want to go to the Summer League? Where, where you want to hit first? Well, <clears throat> The, there's nothing really on my soapbox, but uh, I know we're going uh, to touch on this, but the wo- Women's World Cup, uh, we watched that uh, with Mrs. TB's family in Cincinnati over the holiday weekend on Sunday evening. And, uh, you know, I've got two girls, and uh, they do play soccer, and we watched all of the U.S. games during the World Cup and, and quite a bit of the other action as well. And they – uh, we're very, very excited at the outcome with the U.S. Uh, defeating Japan 5-2 and, and getting their third Women's World Cup in spectacular fashion. Uh, just reading the kind of the aftermath uh, of that match, the most watched soccer event in U.S. history. Uh, comparable to, in some cases, beating uh, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, I think tied or was really close to Game Seven of the World Series as, as far as viewership, uh, beating some of the NBA Finals games. You know, only you know everything's behind the Super Bowl, but uh, I, I think that speaks a lot to uh, the way the game has progressed. Uh, so we were very excited about that. Yeah, and I believe we ought to probably just. Just go ahead and hit on it. I mean, it was just, um, I mean, just every game. I watched all of the final. I mean, you talk about just pouncing on somebody. I mean, it. I mean, Japan didn't know what hit them. I mean, it was <laughs> you couldn't. You didn't have time to settle down. You had time to even get in the flow. I mean, it was just they were on them, and I mean, immediately, boom, 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 boom. And 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 the the one that Carly Lloyd hit from the midfield stripe, I mean my uh, my lovely wife and her family, they're soccer people, and and to them they were like that is just to see that type of play on that big a stage, you know that's not supposed to happen. Uh, about the only thing I could really think about to compare it to would really be uh, the Kentucky UCLA game uh, this past season where it was. You know, forty-one to seven in the first half. I mean, it just for all the hype and build-up, it was just boom, boom, and then it was. I mean, it was over. Uh, you know, no soccer coach, how no matter how good they are, has a plan for when you're down four-zero in the first fifteen minutes. You know, of the match. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot you can do. So that was. Uh, I mean, it was exciting. Uh, those ladies been working hard since they lost to Japan in, in 2011, uh, and they came out, especially Carly Lloyd just came out and just, I mean, they were locked in from the get-go. Yeah, it was, just a, it was an onslaught, and they scored a goal to make it 4-1, to one, 
and you you thought, well, maybe they're kind of going to settle in. Of course, they're wanting to settle in and, and keep fighting back. Uh, you think, well, maybe okay, they've, they've taken some punches, and, and here they're going to try to punch back. Uh, and on goal made it four to two, and then for a moment, then maybe there was some tension. Oh, uh oh, uh oh, here we go. Now we we enter that. Now we got a game standpoint for a moment, and then. Uh, the U.S. responded right back, five to two, uh, and once again it just kind of put it on ice, uh, and and took all the suspense, what little bit of suspense there was for those couple minutes. Uh, it eliminated that again, and it was pretty much, you know, playing it out and, and cruising and maintaining uh, the bulge of a cushion, huge of a huge lead that you had, that, that they had built uh, with the initial onslaught. And. Uh... It, they look to carry this forward. I, I think – and here's my thing on soccer. Americans, we like what we're good at, and that's why when the Olympics roll around, we pay attention to gymnastics when otherwise we don't because we are fairly good at gymnastics. You're staying with your, your swimming events and, and, and track and field. Uh, the events that we're not too good at, we just don't pay any attention to, and that's just the nature of the business. But when you look at the women's national team, you know, they won their third World Cup, uh, and the men can't seem to get over the hump and even get, you know, to the semifinals. And I think that's where the, uh, I won't say apathy, but that's where the the men just aren't getting it uh, as much attention as the women are in this instance, because on the national stage, they're just not good enough. And does does that still go back to, the top-notch athletes not playing soccer, you know, everybody there in the NFL, NBA, other sports, is that still – and then, and, you know, and, you got yeah. Brazil and other countries, Brazil and other countries being there, they're, that's the sport of choice in that country. So the best athletes are playing. Does that kind of create that situation? Yeah. I, 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 I would say that's the case, and it has been uh, not so much now, but – uh, you know, historically, I mean, if you're a kid growing up in America the last 30 or 40 years, you're thinking NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NBA. I mean, that's – and there wasn't really no place play soccer. There was no MLS. There was no – you played soccer in high school and in college, and that was about it. But now with MLS and the Women's Soccer League coming on, now you have some people that can grow up and say, hey – I can be the best soccer player and, you know, play at home. I think that's a huge uh, shift, and it's going to take some time to catch up. I mean, you, you think about uh, – you look at like a LeBron James with his size and his speed. I mean, you put him out there on the soccer field, and, and you know, he, he's a completely – he's a game-changing player. Uh, so you'll, you'll definitely – I think as, the, as it progresses, we'll see the U.S. catch up because now we're paying attention to it. And especially on the women's side, uh, we're, we're good at it. And, and now being the best in the world, uh, it's about maintaining that. And, and then that will happen in, in four years or uh, for the next World Cup and in between with the Olympics. The, the uh, American women are on a roll. Yeah, and it's, it's similar, like you said, I guess, to the – you know, the WNBA took forever before 
you know, the ladies had a, a, a league over here. You know, went overseas for years. You know, Cheryl Miller never even played here, and you know, professionally. You know, things like that. Uh, it finally got going in the, in the '90s with you know Cynthia Cooper and Cheryl Swoops, and you know, I was partial to the Houston Comets, being a Rockets fan. But forever, for years and years, they couldn't even play here. Same situation, like you said, with you know MLS and professional soccer here. Both of them are starting late and are kind of in their infancy as a league is concerned, women's and men's soccer and WNBA, and they're trying to fight and grow here now. They're kind of even, and they're kind of late in the game, but they're they're trying to catch up and make their mark. And and, and here's the thing with soccer is uh, I remember growing up, there's, there was a soccer elitism. Like if you weren't all, you, you couldn't be a casual fan of soccer. You had to be all in or not in at all. Because uh, you have those folks that follow the uh, Premier League in England and all the different uh, leagues, you know, down in South America and Mexico and over in Europe and everything like that. Uh, and those folks weren't very welcoming. Whereas, you know, with the NBA, NFL, you can be a casual viewer. Uh, diehard NFL fans have no problem with, you know, 100 million people watching the Super Bowl uh, that that's you know that there's no disdain there, but now soccer folks are becoming a little bit more inviting, and and novices like myself who I'm learning on the fly. I've got my two girls and they are locked into the World Cup and and, and everything. So you know we're a soccer family now. Uh, so you know that's got to be a little bit more inviting on the fan standpoint as well. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um, Japan was the defending national champ, correct? In 2011. Yeah, defend, defending world champ. World, yeah. <laughs> so to to do that, to dethrone them in that fashion, I mean, they're the ones with the target on their back. They're the ones coming in trying to, you know, go back to back, and I mean, just obliterating from the get go. Uh, and Miss Lloyd just was in the zone, if you want to call it that. Well, and, and you know, I've had conversations with a good friend, Coach Lipsips of the UK soccer uh, women's soccer team, and uh, the uh, soccer coaches uh, they had a uh, of the US team. There were a lot of people that were kind of. Uh, questioning their tactics, especially in the in the group play, because the U.S. did not look sharp, uh, even though they won their group. They didn't look real sharp in a lot of those games, and uh, you know some people were wondering if they kept playing that way, could they they win the whole thing? But uh, you know, a funny thing happened. Uh, there were some tactical changes uh, that were made, and uh, with Abby Wambach, uh, who's probably played in her last World Cup, you know, coming off the bench and, and some other things. Uh, because the U.S., I mean, they really they beat Germany soundly in the semifinal, and then we saw what they did to Japan in the final. I mean, they were the best team in the tournament for their last three games, easy, easy. I mean, it's just absolutely just mind-boggling how great they played against Germany, 
who was number one going into the tournament and defending national champion uh, Japan. So it's not like they beat, you know, Uruguay or anything like that. I mean, they they beat who you want to beat. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, just very, very impressive. And these questions were being raised and, you know, wondering if they had hit their stride fully. All the while, they were nearly about to set a record for, you know, the score, the minutes scoreless streak. They end up tying it, but they're still blanking everybody. And and yet everybody's still saying, well, you know, are, are they going to hit that other gear yet or not? Well, and the, the defense had been solid. The, the defense and, uh, of course, Hope Solo uh, in goal had been solid throughout. And it was the offense that was having the issue. And just from a, a casual fan uh, perspective, it's like they were setting up too much for Abby Wambach. It was kind of like uh, with uh, back in 2012 with Anthony Davis. You could tell there were times they were trying to force the lob to him, you know, on the inside, and it, it derailed the rest of the offense. So with Abby kind of taking a back seat, and then letting some of the younger players get out there, uh, it, it, they just attacked. I mean, it, they could have easily scored five or six goals against uh, Germany. I mean, it was that uh, that defining. And, and Coach Jill Ellis, you've got a commender. Uh, it was pretty much like uh, I was talking to some people, uh, the 2014 Cats, where the team mm-hmm. didn't look great until – the uh, the tournament, and all of a sudden they turn into world beaters. Uh, you know, it was kind of that kind of, kind of turnaround, and it's not often that you see a coach that can make those kinds of tweaks and changes on the fly and, and have those players adapt. I mean, they did it on the, the biggest stage with just a couple of games, a couple of days in between games. It's just fantastic. Yeah, and even if it was kind of, Unorthodox or unplanned, you know, putting one buck on the bench and and letting Carly Boyd, like you said, be more up front and attacking and being aggressive. The fact that she stuck with it, even if that wasn't the initial thought or direction that she thought she was going, uh oh, well, look what we found here. Let's let's roll with it, and you know, the wherewithal not to to fight what was happening to outthink yourself and steer away from this. You know, you gotta give her credit for not making too many moves. Hey, this is this is this is a good mix we got here. Let's just ride let's just ride with it. And so you that like you said, she gets a lot of credit for that as well. And Abby Wambach too for, for coming off the bench. Uh you know, kinda like David Lee for the Warriors. You know, played a lot, played a long time and then stepped back uh and, and allowed these uh changes to the rotation to take place, so to speak. And it, 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 it was something where you, you would have thought that Jurgen Klinsmann, the, the men's national coach, would have done with Landon Donovan last year. Uh, Donovan didn't make the team, and he was kind of the same presence uh, as Abby Wambach. Maybe him just being on the team and, and being that uh, clubhouse locker room leader would have changed things a little bit. But it was just 
it was just something to watch. Like I said, we watched every minute of the uh, U.S. play, and there there didn't appear to be any friction or anything like that. They just they did what they needed to do to win. And just one more thing to your point, if if LeBron James or some of these other athletes that are playing other sports were to play soccer, you it highlighted a lot in the finals, uh, the physicality of the U.S. women, uh, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, how when they were being checked you know, by the Japanese defenders, they were able to body them off and just take the contact and just really power right through uh, and not really be affected by it. Um, you put <laughs> a, a, a LeBron, uh, a bigger athlete like that, because Landon Donovan is a smaller type guy, some of those guys over here playing soccer for the United States, you know, that contact again would not be as big of an issue uh, when, you know, opponents would go to check them and, and try to body them up. Uh, as we saw the U.S. women so uh, easily kind of get through the defense despite, you know, Japan's best well, efforts to slow them down. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I focused on. We, well, uh, This is TV I focused on with the girls is it's okay to be physical. And, and that's what I like about this team is uh, it's okay to be physical as a girl. You know, you can you can you can body up an opponent. You can you can slide tackle. You can you can do different things. Uh, and I think if we had different athletes on the the men's side, uh, I think it would be different. Uh, if we had a you know some bigger some of our bigger uh, you know bodies out there, uh, and I think that as youngsters. Uh, the kids should play soccer because you look at your guy, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, who uh, best best footwork of any big man ever in the NBA. And what did he do as a kid growing up? He played soccer. Absolutely, and and, and so did and so did my guy Kobe. Uh, I, I think soccer teaches you to see things uh, because the field is so big and you've got so many moving pieces. Uh, I think it assists you with not only your footwork, but just with vision uh, and, and kind of seeing things before they happen. Because in soccer, it, it, it's really the pass before the pass, before the shot. That's what really uh, you're on the lookout for. Yeah, and it's and it's all got to click. I got one more thought and then a question as we've deservedly so spent a lot of time in the opening of the show talking about U.S. women's soccer. Um, and you you spoke to the vision and how big the field is, and that was evident uh, on Carly Lloyd's goal, you know, the, the strike from 50, 55 yards where she saw the goalie creeping out. And, you know, uh, in basketball you're always taught when you're dribbling, keep your head up, you know, you might be able to make a pass on the break or if you you stop and take that little pull-up jumper at the free throw line, whatever, keep your head up, keep your head on the swivel. She was able to see the goalie creeping away from the net, and if she doesn't have her head up, she doesn't see the goalie creeping out, and she doesn't take that shot. She was able to see that she could get that shot off and get it over her head because of that vision that you talked about from that far away on the break, on the fly, you know, there were still people around her and she was still able to, you know, process all of that and make that decision 
to make that shot. And, I mean, it was perfect right over her head. You know, the, the keeper was trying to backpedal and, and get back, got a hand on it, but wasn't enough to deflect it to keep it from going in. Uh, just another demoralizing goal for Japan. The, the commentators kept talking about how Japan was huddling up after each U.S. goal and, I mean, no doubt trying to get it all together and get themselves, you know, calmed down, but it just wasn't working. They just kept getting haymakers, you know, one after another, and that was the dagger of daggers. Definitely, definitely. So congrats to uh, the U.S. women bringing the, the World Cup title back. Uh, most watched, like I said, most watched soccer event uh, in American television history. Uh, they got a call from President Obama. Um, I understand that uh, they're going to be held having a ticker tape parade in New York City uh, for the team. So it's it's exciting. And, and uh, as a father of two daughters, you know I'm I'm late to the party uh, on soccer and in uh, women's sport in general. But hey, uh, these women uh, and, and girls in high school they're playing just as hard as the boys and the men are. And we need to uh, kind of give them a little bit more attention too. Let me ask one more thing before we transition, because you, I'm casual. You're late to the party, but you're more in tune and learning more about the game than I am. Um, and being in close contact with Coach Lipsis, friend of the show, and, you know, he loves your girls to death. You don't see the women falling down like they're shot, you know, with each little bit of contact like you do sometimes when you casually watch a men's game. One slide tackle and, and guys are rolling around like their legs broken and their ACL is just shattered. You didn't see that with the women. I didn't watch every game, but you didn't see that. Why Why the difference? Why all the flopping and acting in the men's game and I, not I, in the I, women's? What's up with that? I, I don't know. And, you know, honestly, I've seen that difference between men's college basketball and women's college basketball. Women, for whatever reason, and this is just kind of my observation, they don't flop as much. And I, I don't know why that is. I mean, typically when you were seeing some contact there on the World Cup, uh, they were bouncing right back up. There wasn't anything to really – they weren't trying to sell a call or anything like that. So I, I don't know what the difference is, but you're, you're spot on. And I, like I said, I've observed that uh, kind of watching both men and women uh, as I do now, that the women just don't flop. I don't know why that is. I think the funniest thing I might have seen, it seemed like I was, it was years ago, uh, on America's Funniest Home Videos. That, that'll take you back. That's a blast from the past. But it seemed like a guy, the guy might have been legitimately hurt. I think it was an, a game between two uh, foreign countries. And they came out, you know, with the cot, the stretcher to get him. And as they're running him off the field, they drop him. And so he gets up and kind of limps on off on his own. But, I mean, he, he could have, you know, kind of done that anyway. But he thought, I'm not going to risk getting dropped again from medics that just dropped me. Let me just fall off on one leg myself. That kind of epitomized it, you know. <laughs> and that's always stuck with me. Uh, I mean, the dude, uh, he might have really had a leg injury. Maybe he didn't. But once they dropped him off the cot, he said, I'm just going to limp on off here myself and, you know, under my own power. So, but that, once again, that flopping mentality just always kind of hovered around the men for some reason. Well, and, and one last thing to that point, 
I can't remember which match it was. The U.S. played somebody, and I can't remember who the opponent was. But the U.S. defender and the other uh, player, they they bashed heads pretty good. And uh, the opposing player, I mean, had a pretty big gash on the side of her head. Well, you know, if you come out in, in soccer, you cannot go back on the field. You're done. So the other team played uh, down a person while they took her all to the side of the field and, and stapled, not stitches, but stapled her head back together, wrapped it up in, in gauze, and she went back out there and played. I think it was Germany. And and you could just see the red spot getting bigger and bigger. But it was – there was no drama. It was like – I mean, she they, they stapled her head back together and sent her back out. I mean, that is – that's pretty darn tough. I mean, that is yeah. Dick Butkus and, and, and those kind of got Ronnie Lott tough right there. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, we'll see the uh, the growth and the momentum uh, from this latest championship uh, World Cup title that the women brought home. First time since 1999. Uh, I remember the buzz that that created, and now we got a new cast of characters and players. Um, young players coming in as Abby Wambach and the others uh, are are kind of on their way out. Uh, Christy Rampone, I think, is 40 years old. Wambach is right there in our age group, you know, late 30s. There's another young up-and-coming group coming right on in, uh, and they'll get to grow together and be ready to defend the, the next time the World Cup for the women roll around. Exactly, exactly. We got cats in the summer league. We transitioned to that. That is still big news in the summer. Last year was the Bahamas, but this year all these guys that pretty much played in the Bahamas are getting their first little taste of NBA competition. Um, Andrew playing well for Memphis. Andrew and Aaron going head-to-head. Aaron turning heads in Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte Observer with an article a few days ago about how impressive he's been. Uh, and that was before he played head-to-head against Andrew. And even though Charlotte lost, Aaron nearly mm-hmm. brought the Hornets back, uh, playing a lot of point guard for the Hornets, and he's making an impression, as are all the guys this summer. Yeah, and, and Dakari had a, a double-double the other day. Uh, and I'm working actually on a piece uh, for Cameron Mills, our good friend. Uh, you know, I did a, I wrote up about Aaron, you know, not getting drafted. Uh, and periodically I'm going to be writing uh, on all the guys that did get drafted. So I'm working on a piece that's got Dakari and Andrew, second-round draft picks kind of uh, together. So that should be out here the next day or so. Uh, but the problem is with Dakari, kind of uh, like a lot of the Kentucky players, he was not able to show, I think, his full range uh, of what he could do simply because of the talent. You look at, uh, you know, uh, the 2014 team, we had Julius and uh, Willie Cauley-Stein kind of locked into, you know, the the post position. Uh, But when Willie Cauley-Stein went down, the card played really well in the tournament in 2014. Uh, And then this year with the platoons, I think he played really, really well. of course, his numbers aren't there, and he didn't show, like I said, everything he could do. But he's talented. He's a talented big man. And, 
he's one of those rare guys now. He can play with his back to the basket. And I think being in Oklahoma City, where you've got a healthy Durant and you've got uh, Westbrook, you can he he can find some minutes there. Uh, it, it kind of being that presence, you know, backing up Ibaka in the in the post. I think he can can roll right in and, and be in that eight man rotation for him uh, from day one. I can't help but see history repeating itself as far as the car is concerned uh, with Naz Muhammad. Uh, we saw what he did in '98, uh, won a title on the way out. Uh, he came in, uh, might have been heavier than Dakari, came in needing to lose weight, came in uh, playing himself into shape. Well, he was on that JV squad back in the day that our good friend Cameron Mills talks about. But no matter what, he was not going to be uh, an above-the-rim type guy as far as just explosive, with shot blocking and dunking on guys. But he was going to bang had a nice touch around the rim, uh, good rebounder, solid, uh, smart. And Dakari just kind of fits that mold. You know, we all saw him his freshman year, uh, and then we saw the difference when he dropped some weight. We saw him getting up the court quicker as a sophomore. We saw him get a little faster. Uh, he still had enough bulk to bang around. Uh, there were some plays in transition where, as a sophomore, there's no way he would have made that or gotten to the spot as a freshman. Uh, there was some. I was like, wow, that was Dakari? Because he was, I mean, you, there were some times he was streaking up the floor, and there's just absolutely no way he would have done it as a freshman. Same, you know, kind of mold. And we've seen the career uh, that Nas has had, um, and I think Dakari could do similar things, just, just working hard and grinding and, and carve out a nice career for himself. Exactly, and uh, I don't know if you uh, watched any of the games they showed, you know, July 4th on the SEC Network. It was red, white, and big blue, a lot of Kentucky games, uh, a lot of different sports, uh, gymnastics, women's soccer, uh, of course, football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball. It was all Kentucky, and I got a chance to rewatch the Louisville game from last year, uh, and Dakari played very, very well, um, particularly rebounding, because as the games are, they're ugly, and rebounding becomes key in those games, and he played really, really well. So I, I'm wishing the big man well. Yeah, and uh, that was a perfect day to have the takeover. I was in and out on the big blue takeover. Uh Watched a little bit of the volleyball game, a little bit of the softball game that the women had against LSU, I believe. Um, watched all of the Stevie's Got Loose game from 07. Um, and whatever it was that came on before that, I watched all of that as well. I remember if it was a, another football game. But, yeah, but it was that was a cool little deal that the SEC Network put on. And, what better day than, you know, to, to hook it up over the long weekend where BBN could check that out too, especially when it was raining. Like you said, it was raining. Uh, stay in the house and check that out. Relive those old games. It was cool. Yeah, and, and 
uh, my DVR was going all day long because the girls wanted to see, of course, the women's soccer team against Florida. Uh, but it started off with the uh, 2011 Kansas game, the, the first game that was in New York, the Champions yeah. Classic. And uh, it was really a joy to watch that game. Uh, and a couple of observations, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent here, but uh, Marcus Teague's the way he matured over the season is absolutely remarkable because he was terrible against Kansas. I mean, he had six turnovers before his first – I mean, just, just terrible. And the and the fact that he became as solid as he did uh, toward the end of the year, just a remarkable turnaround, uh, which just – you know, people talk about the one and dones. you know, they can still grow over the course of a season. You know, they can still become different players from day one to the end of the year. So his growth was just uh, just remarkable. And also Terrence Jones. Uh, I know a lot of folks uh, were kind of lukewarm on him, uh, you know, his freshman year starting out. He was kind of flashy and, and that kind of thing. But he turned into a really solid player. And, of course, uh, you're seeing that now for your uh, your Rockets. He, he's He's a very good ball player. Yeah, he sure is. And I, I'm with you on on Teague. Uh, you you shared the te- of the story several shows back on how frustrating he used to be, and he would have you getting in trouble with Mrs. TB because the girls would copy and say everything you would say, uh, and then you would end up getting in the doghouse for being so mad at Marcus Teague. We were all just kind of waiting on. He, it was like he was the the one guy you hate to kind of do that, especially when I'm being college kids. It's like, man, Teague is the, uh, he's the one that's just holding everything back. And like you would say, it would just be just real simple, silly stuff. A lot of the turnovers would just be goofy. Just going down the lane, leaving your feet, and then trying to make a pass. you got nowhere to go. Uh, and then you just got to get rid of the ball before you come back down. And he, just, he would just throw it and just, just cough it up. You know, just a little bit like, man, dude, come on. <laughs> and, I mean, we were, you know, that all of us are just like, man, come on, man, dude. And it was just a little bitty, silly, knuckleheaded stuff on the court that he had to kind of get worked out. And when he tightened it up at the end, like you said, I mean, he was solid. You know, he was running stuff real good come tournament time. He got it together towards the end of the season, and then you saw a whole team <laughs> benefit the whole offense benefited from that um, and, you know, showing how important the point guard spot is, but everything just smoothed out. When he kind of took all that little silly stuff out of his game, everything kind of took off. Yeah, uh, definitely. And just uh, from Deron Lamb, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's crazy and all over the place on Twitter. But, man, that guy, he could flat out play. And the thing is, He's one of those guys that he never looks like he's working hard. He always looks like he's kind of in slow motion. But then you look up and he's got 15 points. You know, he's one of those sneaky kind of players. Uh, You know, I'm going to date myself. Uh, A guy I used to watch when I was in high school, Lawrence Moten of Syracuse, who for a while was a big all-time leading scorer, just so smooth, never looked like he was really expending any kind of energy didn't look ruffled, kind of looked like he was half asleep. But then you'd blink, and he'd have like 20-something points. And you're thinking, yeah. how did how did this happen? And, and Deron, I think, 
you know, again, on another team where he was the man, he would be that way. Boom, 20 points. You know, he's going to get you two or three threes. He's going to get in the lane for a teardrop. He's going to get some free throws. And he could average 18 points a game. Uh, there's that. Uh, you know, just reminisce about that whole team because everybody knows Anthony Davis. But uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and this, that game was when Cal decided to really put him on the point guard, the opposing point guard, and kind of move Teague and Lamb around on the two guard and the shooting guard. And, and once uh, they did that, uh, defensively, it was lights out because there was no point guard that was going to get around MKG on the perimeter. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just good stuff looking back. Is Deron on a summer team now, or is he still overseas? I was trying to see what was going on with him right now. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, and I haven't seen anything come through. Like, I saw that Darius Miller uh, is on a uh, summer league team, and, and I believe Teague is as well, but I haven't seen anything about Lamb, which is a, a shame because he was a, a fantastic player. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely good to see that about about Darius because um, he had, had been up before uh, with the Pelicans, and, and it's good to see him and overseas and now back on the summer league squad because you know, he was a fan favorite of everybody's. Uh, my dad and I were talking about that uh, before the show. Uh, he was one of my dad's favorites of the, the new younger guys coming into this era. Um so it's good to see. Hopefully he can find a spot. Uh, James Young as well as all the other guys, the new guys that are uh, sprinkled and scattered and infiltrated throughout the league right now. Right. And, and kind of thinking about Darius, you know, I, I think that he was kind of the last, you know, senior day of a, of a player that had really contributed uh, up until this year. Because I think that with Poitras, you know, being here for his senior year, I think it's going to get pretty, pretty loud and pretty weepy on senior day uh, and rough this this upcoming season. Uh, oh four man, no, no question, no question about it. Um, yeah, that guy's got everybody's heartstrings in his hand. You look, I mean, how many Twitter handles? I mean, your guy that changes your Twitter nickname on a regular basis, but how many immediately? change with some kind of tribute to Alex Poitras when he went down with his injury last season. And you saw it all over the place. And, you know, people that don't, don't normally flip them and switch them a lot uh, did that. So, I mean, just uh, the roar for 22, uh, he got so much uh, love and thoughts and, and prayers in his behalf uh, when he did get hurt. So, yeah, this this guy right here, I mean, you already you already pegged that. <laughs> Come senior day, you already hit that nail on the head. Yeah, and, and you know I've been a Portsmouth guy since he's been there. Okay, you look mm-hmm. at his first year, the 2013 season. We can all say that was a disaster. In my mind, I think the Teague leaving early caught Cal by surprise. I don't have any evidence of that. But my thing is, when has Cal ever not had a stud point guard ready to go? 
you know, from Kentucky uh, to Memphis, when has he not had his guy or a guy ready to go? That's my yeah. one thing. So that was a disastrous season, and I wouldn't have been surprised had he left, but he came back. Uh, he he became a, a, a the sixth man, came off the bench, found his niche, and was one of those kinds of things. What he did in the 2014 Final Four against Wisconsin is what we missed in the 2015 Final Four against Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. Just the way uh, he can – the things he does well is what we missed. Uh, yeah. Just being a little bit more physical. And, and and the way he was attacking the rim, because uh, everybody remembers that dunk he had against Wisconsin in 2014. That's one of those yeah. soul-stealing dunks that, yeah. yes, it's only worth two points, but, man, if you've ever played basketball and, and you got somebody that just, boom, you know, throws it, that, that, that can be a game changer. So, uh, you know, for him to come back again uh, and then get hurt, uh, like I said, tore out the heartstrings, but I'm betting, I'm bullish on Poitras, and I think he's going to have a, a fantastic season and kind of be that that uh, that leader, that vocal leader uh, that we all kind of want him to be. Yeah, and um, he had that dunk in 2014 on, on Sam Decker, who is now a member of my Houston Rockets. 2015, we're playing Wisconsin again, of course, in the rematch. And Decker had a lot of plays with his back to the basket coasting, and he was able to muscle and, and kind of have his way a few times for a couple and ones on Devin Booker, who just didn't quite have enough bulk, enough strength to handle him down there. And, you know, you throw pointers out there, and like you say, that, that physicality, that experience, the fact that he knows last year he had success against this guy. I mean, you know, guys don't forget that. You know, he Decker knows what happened when he got dumped on last year. Pointers knows the script might have been flipped a little bit. You know, if you got pointers out there Ding him up in the low block, it's going to be a lot harder for Decker to do what, what he was able to do. You know, he you got to give him credit for those plays. He made some, some plays down there on Booker, but that was just that, that one little missing piece, as loaded as that team was, those were some little tangibles that Porthers brought to the table that were missing. Now, I wish Decker nothing but the best now that he's a part of my Rockets, but, you know, I wasn't, wasn't too thrilled with him, with his end ones that he was getting and, you know, some of the shots, the big shots he hit that one in the 38-1 for last year. And, and well, one last thing about Poitras. I remember reading, I think it was on, uh, I can't, don't let me misquote it. I think it was Sports Illustrated. But up until he got injured this past season, opponents, the guy he was guarding was shooting 14% from the field. 14% from the field when he was guarding somebody this past season. I think we all like his dunks. We all think about him rebounding. But defensively, if if you look, like I said, against Wisconsin uh, in 2014, defensively is where we really missed uh, Poitras uh, against Wisconsin this past year. He's a phenomenal defender. He can play. He's he's strong enough to play in the paint, 
but he can also come out and guard those Sam Decker types and, and, and uh, kind of nullify what they can do. But uh, we'll be talking plenty about that down the line. But I was just saying that with uh, with his senior day, it's going to be big and emotional, and I'm going to be there because I've been a Poitras guy from day one. You know, a lot of people have been uh, kind of dogging him and, you know, this, that. Hey, I'm a Poitras guy, and we need him to win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We look forward to his comeback. Speaking of boom, and you mentioned the boom he laid on Sam Decker with that dunk against Wisconsin, but transferring and transitioning to UK football, uh, Boom Williams uh, is on the Paul Horning Award watch list. Josh Forrest, the linebacker, is on the Chuck Bagnarit watch list. And John Toast is on the Remington watch list. So you got three UK guys uh, with football season approaching. Three guys that are getting a little preseason recognition for uh, uh, things they were able to do last year and uh, progress and steps that people kind of expect them to take this year. That's why they're receiving this recognition. That's why they're on these preseason award watch lists. And then a week from today, well, it'll be the masses, the media throngs will descend on Hoover, Alabama at the Winfrey Hotel. You're going to have to do a show from there one of these years. Uh, but SEC Media Days will be kicking off starting Monday the 13th. Um, the Cats will go next Wednesday, and it will be A.J. Stamps, Jordan Swindle, and Melvin Lewis, along with Coach Stoops. Uh, so those are the foursome that will head down to represent the Big Blue at SEC Media Days 2015. So three guys on watch list, and then we got the three that also be representing U.K. at the Media Days because – that's almost here, and once we get to that, then you know it's it's no time before we're kicking off the first game of the season. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and one quick thing, I just wrote a piece for Wildcat Blue Nation because uh, Eric Crawford of WDRB here in Louisville, formerly of the uh, Courier Journal, but. You know, we've been talking about the, the all-sport rankings uh, for college athletic departments. And uh, last year the Cats finished uh, uh, program best 11th in the country uh, overall. This year they kind of fell back a little bit. Uh, but basically the point is, you know, you hear a lot of things uh, about uh, – Louisville, Kentucky, and the rivalry. And um, if you listen to, especially the folks clad in red, all UK has is men's basketball, and Louisville dominates everything else. If you listen to what they what they say, and it's true, their baseball team has been to the College World Series, and their women's team has made it to the Final Four and championship game. But when you look at the numbers. And I borrowed this from uh, Jamel Hill and uh, Michael Smith of ESPN. Numbers never lie. <laughs> and when you look at these these uh, objective rankings of athletic programs, Kentucky is the better program and has been uh, for most of the last 20 years, only four times since 1984. Excuse me, since 1994, excuse me, has Louisville finished higher in these rankings than Kentucky has? 
Ooh. And one of the years was not even the year of the Cardinal in 2013. So when you look at the numbers objectively, uh, UK is holding their own. Now, that being said, uh, back in 2000, uh, Kentucky was ranked 70th overall, and Louisville was 174, just horrific. But now both programs are into the 20s and 30. Uh, this year, Kentucky finished 22nd. L finished 29th. So uh, I think it's a testament to both athletic directors that the athletic departments at both of the state's biggest schools are competitive across the board. You know, it's not like it was uh, just with, you know, Denny Crum and the men's basketball team at Louisville and then Joe B and the basketball team here at Kentucky. It's it's all sports across the board. Uh, and really, uh, the last uh, four years, the number one point score in these rankings has been the Kentucky rifle team. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, it's not even the be- basketball teams uh, have not even been uh, uh, the best here lately. So uh, just something to, to keep in mind that there's uh, a perception that Kentucky is just men's basketball, but that's certainly uh, not the case. And the the rifle team, is they consistently go about their business too, year in and year out. Yeah, and, and our good friend, uh, Coach Lipschitz, the women's soccer team uh, between the two schools uh, over the last four years, uh, they finished uh, ranked 16th in all the different uh, sports. Uh, so that's that's very good as well. So just something to keep uh, in mind when you hear uh, folks of other uh, teams. I tell you that Kentucky is just a basketball, men's basketball only. That's certainly not the case. Absolutely, but you got to get those pieces up on up on the show Twitter account and the Facebook page too, man. Let everybody read them. I mean, your personal Twitter is hopping, of course, but we got to get them up on those other ones too. In I, I will. To that. This one is just both. I'm gonna I'm get it out because this this is something because uh, I've been saying it for a while that uh, both programs have been really really well, but you know, head to head. Uh, Coach Mitchell, the women's basketball team, uh, has won four straight against Louisville, the same way with the women's soccer team and Coach Lipsitz. And we all know what Cal has done head-to-head since he's been in Lexington. So uh, other than really football, uh, it's it's been more competitive than it has not been competitive. So, And we hope to turn that around this year. Yeah. And and we all love the rivalry. I mean, I do. Louisville fans do. We we both got family on, you know, each side of the rivalry. Uh, we love to have a banter. We love to have a back and forth, you know, at family functions and, you know, who can, you know, kind of gloat a little bit more and, and puff their chest a little bit. That's that's just all part of it. And you've also been one to, to advocate <laughs> Don't be stupid with it. You know, you tweet out the red and blue, you know, Elmo, you know, <laughs> keep it in its place. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the blue one's name. The red one's Elmo. I don't know the blue one's name. Red, red um, and blue. I, red or blue, I like you, yeah. Yeah. So you, you also just try to tell everybody, keep your head about, you know, the whole thing. 
Enjoy it. Dislike the cards. Root against the cards. Hope Kentucky beats them every time. If you want to root against Louisville, the year round, no matter who they're playing, fine. But just don't be stupid with it. And when, with that said, you have to give them credit as well for, you know, Tom Jurek and company raising uh, the level across the board for Louisville. Like you said, their rankings were awful. Their rankings are uh, dramatically better now. You got to give them credit for that. Same thing for Kentucky. Louisville fans cannot objectively look at Kentucky and say that, you know, Mitch Barnhart has not done a good job. Um, Kentucky kind of has the edge when you compare across the board, but both deserve credit for what they've been able to do. Yeah, and, and here's and here's the thing. Uh, with Louisville, you know, being a, a city school until I believe the, the latter part of the 60s, uh, kind of far behind it. They've been behind the eight ball when it comes to Kentucky. Kentucky's the the big kid on the block. I understand that. And when I was growing up in the eighties, I mean, Louisville's facilities outside of Freedom Hall was garbage. I mean, that that's the thing. So going to uh, Louisville's campus now, they've got their soccer stadium, which is fantastic. They've got a baseball stadium, uh, Patterson Stadium, which is fantastic. They've got. Uh, They've got the facilities to compete in the ACC. And and uh, I tip my hat to Jurich because they had a lot of cat- catching up to do. Uh, like I said, ranked 174, you know, 15 years ago, and, you know, now they're consistently at top 30. That's a big jump for a school that had to really go out and hustle. Now, yeah. with Kentucky, my mindset is it's it's been about allocation of, of, of assets. And you know, you know, throwing themselves everything at men's basketball at the expense of everything else. Whereas now you look at what uh, Mitch Barnhart has done, and the the softball team, fantastic facility. The soccer team at Lexington, the Bell Complex is a fantastic state of the art complex. I've seen it myself. So uh, yeah, it, when you give when you give your your coaches of your "Quote unquote non-revenue sports, the facilities you give the the staff what they need, they can go out and they can compete, and that's what they're doing. Uh, you know, you look at the Kentucky women's track and field team; they finished second in the country, NCAA runner-up. That was something even when we were at UK that would have been like, what? You know, so so both of these athletic directors, you've got to say that." Uh, we've got two of the best in the country right here, you know, 70 miles apart here in uh, Kentucky. That's that's fantastic. Absolutely. And it just goes to show the work it takes to do that across the board. It's a lot more than we even realize uh, behind the scenes, on the surface, up, down, left, right. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's so much that goes into lifting up everything from the depths and then keeping it, you know, on a higher elevated level. You know, we've all been to the circus and the guys keeping the plate spinning. That's exactly what's going on. And you see how much energy it takes to run from one pole, you know, stem to spin a plate. You run to the other one and get it going, keep this one going. You got to watch them all, keep them all going. And don't knock one down running to go spin another one. There's a lot involved. Um, so, yeah, definitely a lot of props to both athletic departments and what they've been able 
to accomplish and then sustain once that they've, you know, made uh, the improvements that they have done. Um, we got Eddie Treats on the line coming up soon, so we I saw him call and then drop off the line. He'll be popping back on in a second to talk some Harlan County Blackbirds football. But um, you you got to give credit where credit is due. That's all we're saying. Definitely, that's the that's the thing. Is a lot of folks uh, in blue were kind of slow warming up to Mitch Barnhart, uh, and then you know with the Billy Gillespie hire and even the Joker uh, Phillips hire, a lot of folks kind of questioned what he was doing. Well, you know now you look Calipari home run. Okay, let's. We can let him off the hook for the Billy G hire, okay? And so far, we're seeing a lot of progress with Stoops, so you can let him off the hook with uh, with the Joker hire. And I, I was never against that. A lot of people like to rewrite history, and they forget that when Rich Brooks was in town and going to those bowl games, Joker Phillips was a hot commodity as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And – it's the thing, if he would have left and gone to coach Arkansas, you know, let's say, and, and gone to a BCS bowl game or been competitive, they would have run Barnhart out of town. How can you let this guy walk away? So I understand right. that high. But bringing in Stoops uh, seems to be the good uh, good thing. And, and you look at what Coach Matthew Mitchell has done, Coach Lawson uh, with softball, Coach Lipsitz. Um, he – for every these two kind of failures, if you want to call them that, he's he's been pretty consistent across the board with these other hires. The same way uh, with Jurich has done. I'm not a Louisville fan by any stretch, but wow, uh, you know the, their baseball team is knocking on uh, the College World Series every single year. You know their basketball team, uh, women's basketball team. You know, hey, they've they've gotten over the hump that we haven't been able to do. They've gotten to the final right. four. They've gotten to the championship game. So, and my thought is, Kentucky basketball, men's basketball, Louisville men's basketball, is going to be okay. Like, you don't have to do too much day-to-day. You let Cal, you let Patino, you let them do their thing. You know, you've got to focus on making sure the other sports are getting what they need. You know, the boosters are going to donate to men's basketball in both places. And even football to some extent, but you've got to hustle and, and get uh, interest in those other sports, and then you see once you invest in them, the returns come back, and you're like, wow, just a little bit of investment and goes a long way. Absolutely. And let's transition now to the high school scene, the high school scene in my home county, Harlan County, uh, as head coach Eddie Treach is on the line. Eddie, your old yes, Cherry. Yes, sir, man. Congrats on being named head coach of our Harlan County Black Bears. Appreciate you taking some time to hop on. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good, man. Run up to my mom's house. She cooked me a big supper. So, man, I'm sitting out my truck oh, on the phone with you all. So. Oh, man. Miss Wendy done fed you good, huh? Oh, yeah. She takes care of us. <laughs> Man, I've known your mom forever, worked with her down at the bank. I mean, 
just a great lady. You don't get much better than Wendy Creech, I'll tell you that. And you already yeah, know. Yeah, I've been blessed so. with a good family. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, how – how uh, well, first of all, before we get into all the, 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 the football, we're going to talk, of course, Harlan County, and this year's first season as head coach of the Black Bears, i got to just flash back a few weeks ago to the last time I was home, uh, Memorial Day weekend, I saw you, but I, you didn't see me. You were up there in Lynch at the at the tournament playing ball that Saturday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what, well, you didn't <laughs> you didn't see much. You was watching me. I just it's fun to get out. That's a good thing that uh, uh, Derek and those guys up there do every year, and uh, anything community related, uh, and you can still compete. You know, I'm getting up in age, man, so. Outside of golf, I don't have much to do as far as competing. So if I can go up there and play in a little tournament like that, it's it's fun to get out and participate. I was uh, I had heard about it. Was it last year? Maybe the year before last. Uh, Derek and Cal's brother Jay sent me a message on Facebook uh, asking if I was going to play or coming in, and I wasn't able to make it down to even watch two years ago. I made it down this past year. George Massey was there. Big George was there. I got to see him and a lot of people we went to school with. And I heard somebody say you were there, and I got to look in, and then I saw you. Man, it looked like you hit the weight room. You were, I was like, wow, like you've been bulking up a little bit? It looked like you've been hitting the air a little bit. <laughs> no, I've not been in the weight room in two years. That's just a lot of good suppers, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my work. family. We, we, we ain't shy on Filling into her bodies there, the creatures. Me and Dad and Bull and Jamie and all of us, big horror. I guess I'm just living up <laughs> to my name. <laughs> hey, that's all right. I'm going to try to knock the dust off of my jumper between now and next spring and, and play in that tournament next year. I'm going to try to get up there, get in early Friday, get into Mom and Dad. I'm going to try to come down and, and run around with y'all next year in the tournament myself. So that's, that'll hey, be some you, comedy. You but... squad, you can you ain't got a squad, you can be on my team. My cousin, me and my cousin, he lives, he's from Tennessee. He lives right down here in Morristown with me. We was both going to try to play. So, I, I mean, we can jump on with somebody or or do there something. We'll, we'll run around and play, man. All right. Sounds good. All right. I'll let him know, and I'll, I'll try not to embarrass you too bad. I got 11 months to try to get a game, so. <laughs> <laughs> Has has the title head coach sunk in yet? I know you're busy and got a lot more on your plate now than you did when you were an assistant. Have you had time to just let it sink in, head coach of the Harlan County Black Bears? I don't want to downplay the role. Uh, it is an absolute uh, blessing and opportunity to be named the head coach. Uh, but at the same time, uh Football has dropped in my priority list, and I know that sounds kind of ironic just being named the head coach, but to put things in perspective, you know, I've got a wife and two little kids and, uh, you know, a really good relationship, I feel like, with the Lord. Uh, it's it's really put everything into perspective. And uh, as much as I love football, uh, and I'm going to put my heart and soul into it, don't get me wrong, but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I had got this when I was – 25 or 20, it may have overwhelmed me to the point that uh, uh, it wouldn't have been healthy. 
uh, I guess what I'm saying is I, I try to keep myself balanced and well-rounded with family and uh, faith and football. And, you know, I'm a school teacher first. You know, if it wasn't for being a school teacher, I wouldn't be a head coach. But back to your original question, uh, I don't know if it ever sink in. It probably sink in that first Friday night when we line up. I look around and I say, well, I'm responsible for whatever goes on here tonight. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the right approach to be to be grounded like that, to control it and not let it control you. And that attitude that you're displaying is, I mean, we've there's been exceptions. You know, you saw Tony Dungy was a guy in the pros that tried to keep everything in perspective that wasn't a type to sleep at the office and just stay there all the time that made sure he spent time with his family. We've seen Mark Stoops, you know, you know, let his guys go and take their kids to school, pick their kids up from school to to keep things balanced to where you're just not grinding and killing yourself and then staying away from your family at the same time. So you you're definitely going in with the with the right outlook for sure. Yeah, and uh, I've got some really good guys uh, alongside of me. Uh, uh, a lot of the guys, I think we've got two or three guys, maybe four, uh, who's been paid assistants in the past at Harlan County. And uh, two other guys have been on the staff with myself since the inception of the school. So there's a trust level there between me and my assistants that uh, I, I'm not, I don't have a hard time delegating uh, power, responsibilities, or uh, position coaches to the guys that I got along with me. Uh, they're all Harlan County guys, every one of them. Uh, they're from every holler in Harlan County. I've got coaches all around the area. Uh, they're they're great with the kids. The kids love them, and uh, I love them. And, you know, you ask any head coach, and I've only been head coach since February. I'm not even coached my first game, but I can already tell you that the uh, the, the key to any coaching staff is not your head guy; it's all your assistants. It's everybody who's willing to be there every day, who's uh, doing the things in behind the scenes, who's you know building helmet racks or going and grabbing water or packing dummies. You know the stuff that people don't see on Friday nights. It's it's those type of guys that really make your program, and uh, you know so. I enjoyed it. You know, I know that the hard part's yet to come. Uh, it's easy to sit here and uh, be happy and jolly. You know, you start the season 0-5 and, and you got the uh, the fans breathing down your neck. It may be a different story. But uh, all I can speak of is what I've walked through so far. And since February, I've had a – it's been real fun for me. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I love being around the kids and – the one thing I do I do like about being the head coach is I can kind of set the atmosphere how I want it to be. You know, uh, everybody's got their own approach. I'm not saying any other approaches are right or wrong, but uh, the approach that I feel like we're going with, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with. Well, that's – you can't ask for anything more than that. I was <clears throat> going to ask about your staff. Did you, did you bring a few more guys on, or were those guys already there? Uh, on the staff with you uh, last year, or uh, for the most part, uh, the majority of the staff is back. Uh, I didn't make a list out, and I've got 14 assistants. Not all are paid, obviously, but uh, ju- just to name, uh, uh, my defensive coordinator is Denny Farmer. He graduated from Kaywood High School. He was a, if you remember, way back in the day, I guess in the early 90s. I think Tim Saylor was the coach there. 
uh, Denny right. started at linebacker, and uh, he may have had some all-state honors. I'm not sure on all that, but he was on that team that went ten and zero or nine and zero, and the only loss they had that year was to Bell County. Me and him's coached together since 2008, which was uh, the first year of the high school, and we've coached on the JV level together. I was the OC, and he's the DC. So uh, when uh, everything uh, come about, you know, I went to him, and he uh, he he was more than glad to accept it. And uh, so he's going to be running the defense, and I'll be running the uh, offense. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, now. Last year was a little bit of a rough year, down year, as far as, you know, Harlan County standards are concerned. Are you, now that you're the head coach, does the philosophy or identity of the team change or anything? Um, you know, it's always known for the power running, running team, the physical defense. Are you still going to do that? Are you going to throw it around more? Uh, what's the identity going to be? Well, uh, back to what you was first talking about, the tradition, you know, I I don't think that we're in the process of building anything. You know, uh, what's already been laid as a foundation at Hardin County High School is phenomenal. We went five years winning the district uh, title, five years in a row. We won two regional titles. We played Patrick Toes and Highlands uh, one year to go to state, and they had us down 14 and six, 14-6 at the half. So we've had some uh, exceptional coaching, exceptional players run through this program. Uh, now, last year was a little bit of a down year, and we're hoping things will pick back up, uh, you know, this year and the next couple of years. Philosophy-wise, uh, defensively, you know, I, I, I'm speaking for Coach Farmer, but I know this is how he believes I've coached with him. He's going to get us lined up the simplest way possible and let the guys go play and uh, play real aggressive and uh, fly the ball offensively. Uh, we still want to run the ball. I love running the ball. But uh, with the guys we got coming back next year and for the next few years, I have uh, changed systems, if you will, a little bit. I've went to more of a spread look, you know, three and four receivers. And uh, our spring game was 100% out of the shotgun, uh, mixing in some zone and some zone reads. Uh, still got, still going to be run first, but uh, we're going to try to dink it and dunk it and throw some screens and get some people spread out, you know, just get some people out of the box if we can because we'll have some athletes uh, on the outside. They may be young, but we'll have some. Right, okay. Talking with Eddie Creek, head coach of the Harlan County Black Bears, previewing the upcoming football season. If you had to, and I know in the first practice is this Monday, right? I did have that correct, right? This coming Monday? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. And I know, of course, you, you definitely had everything on film from last year, and you'll be evaluating uh, going forward with the first practice. As of now, the way the team stands, what are the on both sides of the ball? What would you say the, the strengths are? What's the strongest unit? Uh, the strengths and weaknesses on both sides of the ball? Would you would you say just kind of looking and evaluating what you have right now uh, going into the season? I'd say uh, you know. I don't want to give us too many strengths. People be expecting too much, but no. If 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 I had to say we had a strength, it would be uh, I think the kids play hard. Uh, we've got speed in some areas. We're, we're going to be a little bit smaller in a few areas than people's accustomed to. Uh, but you know, with the system change, you you don't necessarily have to have the uh, the size that you would 
like in certain areas if you're going to be, uh, you know, moving lateral more than you are north and south most of the time. But uh, I would say uh, team speed and just playing hard would be our uh, our greatest attributes. I think that this bunch that we've got coming in here this year, from the eighth graders coming up to the seniors to be, I think that they'll, they'll play hard uh, no matter the score, whether we're up or whether we're down. Uh, I say that with confidence, and uh, I, I think that's, that's a good compliment you can say about your own team if you feel like they're going to play hard because that, that's something you can't really coach. Exactly. Would you, um, with the with the with the tweaks to the offense, like you say, they're going to play hard whether with the lead or playing from behind. With the tweaks to the offense, if you are behind, would that kind of maybe allow you to score a little quicker to get back in the game if you? kind of dig out of a hole if you find yourself in that situation at some point throughout the season? I'd, I'd like to think so. Uh, you know, I really would. But uh, we're just going to start from uh, the first block and uh, kind of build on it every day and just, uh, you know, see where we can get offensively. Uh, we, we will have to be able to throw the ball uh, and complete the ball, or it doesn't matter if you put five receivers out there. Uh, they're going to keep eight in the box on you. If if you do not show the ability to toss and catch, so like I said, we're gonna we're gonna start from ground zero, starting Monday. Uh, we've already, we've had a great spring and great spring workout, but uh, you know it's roll up your sleeves and get to work start Monday. And we we as a staff we understand it's going to be a process. You've got a brand new offense, a brand new defense, a uh, brand new O line coach, brand new. Offense coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coordinator. Uh, we just recently moved out to the, uh, actually moved our dressing room out to where our field is for the first time. So there's a lot of firsts. There's going to be a lot of uh, tough transitions. There's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs. Uh, I think if we can just stay true to our process, uh, stay true to our approach day in and day out, no matter how good it gets or how bad it gets. Uh, my hope is by district time, if we can stay healthy, uh, you know, I look for us to be able to compete in those games. I really do. But, uh, again, it, there's a lot of stuff has got to go on between now and then. Exactly. Um, you talked about having a, a good spring, and you got some guys that you'll be filling in some spots that um, are young in the experience standpoint, but they're good athletes and the team speed will be there. Who would you say right now are your are your team leaders on offense, defense? Those those guys that are kind of coaches on the field, uh, reflections of you, or you know, guys that'll get in someone's face or, or or say something or lead by example. Who are your leaders? Maybe you got some guys that kind of stepped up into those leadership roles uh, based on what you saw in the spring as you head into summer practice. Well, uh, I'll just speak offensively because we're we're still finding pieces everywhere. And, you know, lo and behold, I'll leave somebody out. But on the offensive line, uh, if I was starting in my mind from left to right, uh, as far as what class they'll be in, you're going to be looking at a lot of uh, juniors and sophomores, with the exception being uh, Cole Kidwell, who's a senior. He started at tight end as a sophomore moved to guard as a junior, and he'll be playing some guard and tackle this year as a senior. He's a big, strong kid. Doesn't say a whole lot, but he works hard. 
a really good blocker. Then you've got Jarrett Ford, who also is going to be a senior, uh, back there playing quarterback. This will be only second quarterback since we started the school that will actually start uh, two years in a row if he ends up winning that position. And right now he would be uh, penciled in as their number one quarterback. But, you know, we've still got a lot of time. We've got a good little uh, sophomore quarterback coming up and behind him, too. It's going to be a good little competition. Then you got Jake Ball, who's a uh, senior tailback, and Dylan Cornett, who will be playing some tailback and some receiver. They're both seniors. Uh, so you've got a lot of guys on that offensive side who's who's got some experience. Uh, you know, if I, if I had to say that they were the leaders, I would have to go with my seniors first just because they've been there so long. And they, those kids I mentioned on the offensive side of the balls logged a lot of minutes. You know, they've played the Greenville Tennessees. They've played the Johnson Centrals and the Belfries, you know. And we're going to have to rely on those kids that when they get in the huddle and their eyes get real big and we're out there on the field with Belfry and Bell County, you know, that they, you know, they can look to them because they've been in that situation and kind of get everything under control and, you know, lead these younger kids. Absolutely. Um, And that was going to be one of my next questions. You probably know once the practices get started, if, if you, maybe had an idea of position changes based on uh, last year, well, this kid might be better as a tight end as opposed to a wide receiver. Or I want to try this guy out, you know, at left defensive end as opposed to middle linebacker. Uh, Did you have any of those ideas now, or will that kind of fall into place once you get some practices in this summer? We got to, you know, that's a great thing about spring practice. You get 10 practices, and you can go out there and you can tinker around. There's not not a lot of pressure. You don't have no timeline as far as trying to get ready for that first game. So, in the spring, we got to tinker around. We put, well, let's try his kid at guard, or maybe he'll be a better tackle, or, you know, I don't I don't know if he can run the zone read. Let's put him out at receiver, or maybe he'd be better uh, back there in the backfield running the zone than he would catching it. You know, there's all kinds of possibilities that you look at. And uh, uh, we got a lot, got to uh, experiment a lot, like I said, during the spring and uh, move some people around. But, you know, you got a whole crop of freshmen coming in here, you know, and uh, two or three of them may be able to play on that varsity level. So we just, like I said, Monday we'll get we'll get the ball rolling and uh, get everybody out there and uh, see what happens. I know you and everybody are chomping at the bit. Um, I got the schedule pulled up. If I uh, make sure I'm reading it off right, August the 21st, uh, Southwestern. That's the first game of the season. Yes, sir. I think it's the and, uh, Don Marshall Bowl. I think. And they don't. They still is. You know where that one is. It has to be announced as far as the details. They got the it's location that, or it's that. It's, it's at Southwestern. Okay, down to Somerset. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Southwestern, and then week two, you head over to Clay County, play them over in Manchester. They, they then the, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. That is true. That is. That's the home okay. opener. Clay County is the home opener. My bad. They are from Manchester. They will be coming to Harlan. My fault, y'all. My fault. Clay County comes home. 
And then home again with Belfry. That's who you just mentioned them. When your kids get wide out against the Belfries and uh, the Johnson Central. So, yeah, Clay County, Belfry back-to-back. Knox Central, three home games, three straight home games. Um, and then it's on the road at Johnson Central. On the road at North Laurel down in London. The... Uh, Lecture County Central will make the trip from Weisberg, and you got them at home. And North Laurel will be in the first district game, right, of the season, the week before. Yes, North Laurel is your first district game. Then Lecture County Central district game, got them at home. At Whitley County district game, home for Perry County Central, and then the season finale. At Bell County. Now, let me ask you this: Do you wish that there were were more district games? Or are you glad that they're just four? Uh, how do you how you feel about that? Well, actually, uh, for the last I don't know how many years, you've only had four uh, district teams. Uh, North Laurel moved districts uh, from our cross district, which was over there with South Laurel and South or uh, Southwestern Pulaski and that bunch Lincoln. They moved over into our district this year. So for the first time in a while, you know, there's going to be uh, somebody not make the playoffs. You've had us, Letcher, Perry, and Whitley. So no matter if you lost all your district games, you were going to make the playoffs. And uh, now that North's in there, somebody's sitting at home, you know, uh, the first week. And uh, not only does that add a 15, but North Laurel may be, uh, the early favorite in our district. Uh, they, they've got a really good coach, Coach Larky down there and his staff, and they they had a really good uh, freshman JV bunch last year. So, you know, it's going to be competitive. Uh, you know, as a first-year head coach, you got to be honest with yourself. You you look in your own district, and there you've got uh, Coach Tom Larky at Perry, uh, 292 wins, legend, one of the greatest coaches ever. Uh, Mike Holcomb over at Letcher Central, he's got three state titles one of the best coaches ever. Uh, you've got uh, the guy down at Whitley, who's a phenomenal gentleman. He was the OC there for a while at uh, Millsboro. He's a great offensive mind, and he's got the numbers back up. Uh, then you've got Chris down there at North. Uh, you know, you keep you keep naming all these uh, coaches, and you think, man, this is, you know, this is something to step into. It's, it's an honor to uh, be in a district with those types of guys. That's Jason Chapel, by the way. I didn't mention his name from Whitley. But, uh, you know, it's just it's a, it's going to be a fun little district. Yeah. Now, and, of course, once the ball is kicked off for those three hours, I mean, you're definitely wanting to uh, have more points than another team when the dust settles. But is there any particular uh, team or coach you're looking forward to just, just shaking hands and chatting with before you kick it off? Does anybody kind of stand out? That you, you're kind of anxious to to test yourself against. I mean, you got like you said, you got a lot of established coaches, guys that have been around the block several times. But is there anyone that you, boy, I, I really, you know, every game is important. Every district game is important, especially with you. You, if you mess up and you're, you're the team that's not in the playoffs, but is there a particular coach he's like, well, I can't wait to to match up against this guy and and, and match wits with this dude right here. Well, you know, to be dead honest with you, if you went from week one to week ten and you named off each head coach of those ten opponents, uh, you start with Larry French uh, down at Southwestern, who was a longtime Bull County coach who's won state championships. 
<laughs> then a couple weeks later, you've got uh, Philip Haywood, who probably the greatest coach uh, of all time, if you know, in the top one, two, or three. Uh, then you've got Scotty Russell, who was Mr. Football at uh, Edwards, yes. you know, fellow yes. Harlem County guy. And you just keep going yeah. down Jim Matney at Johnson Central, Wayne Mills at Bell, and then the guys I just mentioned. If I made it about me and them, I don't know if we'd be favored in any, any game this year. So I'm kind of that's, – that's why I'm pretty excited to uh, stay on the sidelines and let the boys on the field, you know, play it out. Because there's going to be a lot of games this year, you know, a couple in particular that people's going to play the coach versus coach thing. And uh, right. I, I would tell right. you all, just like I tell my team, I can't take a single snap. I won't play a single play. Uh, I'm not downplaying the coaching side of it, but uh, the haze in the barn come Friday night, and it's up to the kids to go out and perform. So there'll be some interesting matchups, to say the least. Yeah, that, there'll be the the storyline card will be played in, in a few games for sure. Now I got a got a call I'm gonna get to. Got a call on the line for you. I got one more question, then we'll get to the call that's uh, wanting to talk to you. Uh, once you kind of, I mean, you're talking about a rookie coach, talking about who you're going against and all that, um, a year, two years from now, heck, maybe two or three weeks into the season, fill in the blanks for me when when these other coaches are being talked to about you and the Harlan County Black Bears, they will say an Eddie Creech coach team is filling the blank. Well, you, my, hope and prayer is, uh, my hope and prayer is, number one, that they play with class. Uh, win or lose, whether we win 55 nothing or lose 55 nothing. that from the time we march into the stadium, we march out, we handled ourselves class and we represented our school well. And I don't mean that cliche that we, re- we got a little saying we go by, it's called live above the line, and that's what we're trying to install and believe in. And secondly, I'd just like to, uh, for them to say that Harlan County plays like a bunch of wild men. Uh, from whistle to whistle, they are just flying around. They play for each other, uh, and they play hard. Uh, I really don't care what people say about us offensively or defensively, but I would want people to say that we played our absolute guts out uh, for four quarters and that we played for each other. And if if but and if you do that more often than not, you know, you play your guts out, the results are going to, you know, uh, pay off for you as well. If you go at it, you know, the effort, whistle to whistle, uh, that's what it takes, playing hard, and you'll get re- the results that you like to see as well. Let me get this call, Eddie. Uh, it's a guy that you and I know well, I know really well, because uh, he brought me into the world. That would be my dad, Mel Hardy, on the line. want to talk a little Black Bears football with you. What's going on, Dad? Hey. <laughs> How you doing? Doing good. How you doing, we, got, we got we got on and Terry. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I want to talk to nephew. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> hey, nephew. <laughs> How you doing, Uncle Man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You you got the job I told you a few years ago that I thought you should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sure appreciate it. I'm tickled. I'm tickled. I really am tickled about that. I surely am. Uh, you, you're the you're the person for it. You surely are, and you 
you know you know what I think of you, and I don't have to tell you that. And uh, I, I just know you're going to do a great job with that job. And uh, that team, the the thing that they will play with, that I, I know they will play with, will be discipline. They will play with discipline. And uh, that'll be a, a and when they play with discipline, they will be a classy team. <laughs> no doubt sure about it. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, how's the family doing? We're doing good, you know. My, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so uh, you know you got to stay on your toes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you got to let this one place. down, look around the corner, another one's gone. So uh, they, they're yeah. both very uh, energetic kids. And, yeah, you gotta have this uh, one there doing too. good. She's she's a <laughs> full-time mom and a full-time employee and full-time wife. I, yeah. You know, any any uh any football coach in the world who puts time in like they should tell you that they couldn't do it without a a, a strong, understanding wife. And you know, good. Ash, uh, good, good enough to know that I've, I've been I've been uh, very lucky to uh, to have the family support that I do have. Great family support. You got to have it. Surely do. And uh, uh, don't don't lose that uh, hoodie that you got for me. I, I'll, I'll I'll get it. <laughs> you know, I've still got that in a Food City bag in uh, mine and Ash's bedroom. We run across the other day. I'm leaving it in the Food City bag till I get it to you. Uh, okay, James, okay. I'm I'm looking forward to getting it. I really am. But like Jamie's I say, got the same one, and he said that his his all time favorite hoodie. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. All right. I talked to Uncle Bull not too awful long ago and uh, had a had a really great time with him. But uh, I just want to say con- just congratulations, and uh, they got the right man for the job, and I uh, love you. I love you, too, Mel, and I appreciate your support. I always have. All right. I'll be there. Hey, Dad. Uh-huh. Hey, Dad. I was you know, putting that on Twitter you know, yesterday, the fact that we was going to have Eddie on the show and uh, Freddie Magger, of course, everybody in Harlan County knows well, what he means to the county and, of course, the U.K. as well and what he's doing in the state now. But Freddie tweeted back as when he saw that Eddie was going to be on the show with us tonight, great coach, uh-huh. better man, better yeah. man, proud of our school. That's what Freddie had to say when he saw that that Eddie was going to be on tonight. So you, that my, sums it up right there. My my sentiments exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sentiments exactly. And uh, and Freddie, uh, you know, for, I don't have to tell you what I think of Freddie either. So y'all y'all know uh, how I feel about both these young men. And, and, and Freddie will be on next week. Freddie will be on oh, with next week. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's good be. talking to you too, son. It surely is. I'm glad right, you called in. I'm glad you called in, Dad. And me and me and Terry are going to talk about y'all's Lakers here in, in a few minutes because I, I want to see what Terry feels. I already know how upset you are. But uh, we're going to get to that in a few minutes. If you can hang okay. on if you want, you can hang on if you want to jump in or whatever you want to do. Okay, I'll just, I'll just hang on. I sure will. All right. Hey, Eddie, man, The you know, we're not blowing smoke. Everybody is proud. That, that you're the coach of the Black Bears. Uh, we definitely appreciate the level head that you got. And, you know, that congrats goes to your wife and family as well. Uh, y'all are class family, class act through and through. That'll be uh, reflected when the team takes the field. They'll take on your personality as well. And we look forward uh, to seeing you in the Black Bears this coming season, man. 
Well, I sure appreciate it, man. I really do, and I appreciate you having me on. And uh, just so everybody in the blog world will know, uh, uh, I thank the world of you, the little bit I know of you, but uh, mm-hmm. your dad, Mel, is one of the greatest people that's ever walked this earth. I don't know if uh, <laughs> I've ever met a more humble man, and uh, I've been to the Final Four with him. I've been to the Sweet 16 with him. Uh, I've been around the world, it feels like, with him. And we've <laughs> never went anywhere that within five minutes he what in a deep conversation with somebody. So it just goes to show you the personality he has. And I, I think you've taken that same personality. And uh, I love you both, and I thank you for having me on. Hey, love you, and appreciate you taking the, the time to hop on with us. Uh, I agree, Dad, is, is something else. He's a heck of a guy. And uh, thanks for taking the time with all that you got going on to hop on with us. And we look to, to have you on again. Enjoyed having you on last year. Enjoyed having you on this year. And uh, I'll be popping in back home on some Fridays uh, to see the Black Bears at home. And, and Bell County ain't but a hop and a jump away. A lot of pop up there for that one, too, at the end of the season, man. Well, be working on those post moves now for next Memorial Day. <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. <laughs> I hey, want to see that. We got to stay on the block. We got to stay on yeah. the block and post these little kids up. We can't run and gun anymore. <laughs> yeah, we need to be watching some old Kevin McHale up and under from the Celtics. There you work. go. <laughs> hey, well, I'll, All right, man. I appreciate I'll, it. I'll tell my cousins about it. We'll, we'll jump in and play with y'all next spring, man. It sounds good, man. All right. Take care, Eddie. Thank you. Take care, nephew. Eddie Treats, head coach of my Harlan County Black Bears, looking forward to his first season at the helm. Uh, got a tough schedule, but uh, a lot of good coaches, a lot of good teams. It's going to be fun watching him get his feet wet uh, as he coaches the Black Bears. TB, man, let's go ahead and transition on because we talked about how crazy the NBA free agency has been. Um, we'll talk to DeAndre Jordan and how the, the Mavs and the Clippers are playing tug of war with him. But my dad, for one, was hot about this news of Roy Hibbert being the next Laker big man to follow Mike and Kareem. Will Mike and Will Kareem no, no, Shaq? No, now you that. got Hibbert. Don't do that, Billy. Now, now, don't do that. I mean, my dad is hot. My dad is totally don't. hot. I just want to know your thoughts, TB, fellow Laker fan, uh, and you know, love the purple and gold. What What are your thoughts, man? Roy Hibbert is seven foot tall. Roy Hibbert went, I think, three or four games in the playoffs last year, and didn't grab a rebound. <laughs> Let me repeat that Roy Hibbert is 7 foot tall And Roy Hibbert went 3 games In the playoffs and didn't grab A rebound Yeah, Which means he had the same amount of rebounds yeah. <laughs> And we we'll also have to score a point <laughs> and, and, So I don't know I, you, you know I've been telling you for a while That I really have zero faith in the brain trust of the Lakers right now. And I don't know if you saw where uh, Jeannie Buss said that uh, after three years, if the Lakers are still a dumpster fire, then Junior Buss will step down and she'll be in charge. And I'm like, do it now. Uh-huh. Do it now. <laughs> he, he has done nothing to, to win my trust. The Dwight Howard experiment was, was, was bad. 
Uh, you know, I love Steve Nash, but you cannot hit your wagon to a almost forty year old point guard. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and my biggest complaint, and I've said this before, Vinny, there has been no plan for after Kobe. The one thing the Lakers have done better than any other franchise is they always have a plan in place for the next superstar. Mm-hmm. Okay, and with Kobe, and I love Kobe, but you can't keep paying him $20 million and allowing him to dictate when free agents come to town. You can't let him dictate the the draft. You, you've got to be able to say, okay, we love you, Kobe, but we've got to move in this direction. Yeah, yeah you're, you're done. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a business. You know, and, and you think the Lakers, all those names that you've named, they always bounce back because they're looking ahead. Uh, and the biggest uh, evidence of that, you know, Magic retired suddenly in 1991. You know, every, caught everybody off guard, and the Lakers dipped. But within a couple of years, they had Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Cedric Zabalos, and they were back in the thick of things. And then in 96, boom, they go get Shaq, trade for Kobe, boom, boom, again, you know. But the the way it stands right now, I have zero faith in the Lakers' brain trust. Just zero. Yeah, can you hear me, Vinny? Yes, sir, we can hear you. Okay. Hey, I agree totally with you on that. Uh, All the people that you could have gone out and gotten, Roy Hibbert, uh, he's been sorry for years from where I've been looking. And uh, I've told my son I'd rather have uh, uh, Dakar Johnson than they had Roy Hibbert. Because you know that Dakar is going to give you everything. Dakar is going to get out there and fight and and give you everything he's got. And I guarantee you, had he been in those playoff games, he he wouldn't have gone with no rebounds. I guarantee, I guarantee you that. I I'd, I'd put just about put my uh, my house up on. That. And that's the thing. My my dad, who I used to watch basketball with all the time, he called them big stoops. Is what he called them. Called them big stoops, and guys that were just out there simply because they were seven foot tall. Yeah, let me let me ask you let me ask you something. The kid that played for Louisville, uh, of uh, the the monster that that forward center, uh, what's his name? Uh, that played for Louisville. uh, Montez Montez Harrell. Was he wasn't he available in the draft when Louisville? uh, When when. the Lakers drafted. Was didn't they have a draft that he was still available? I believe so. They had. A, they had. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I was. Then that guy would have gone in there, and and he's a You know, he's not a big. But he's a monster. They could have gotten him for very little money, and he would have went in there and played like a monster for him. And, and then they could have gotten some some big seven foot center, you know, from somewhere uh, that would have gone in there. They just need rebounding and defense from from a center. So, uh, sure, they could have could have gotten somebody better than Roy Hibbert. <laughs> That's pathetic. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I I couldn't. I didn't even tweet you, Terry, and I didn't. I didn't say anything. I was just waiting for the show. I was just laying low. Uh, talked to Dad today. Uh, we've been out of town, so Dad hadn't heard the news. So I, I broke the news to him, and that just made his day. Yeah, just like it made yours. Um, but, you know, Montrez Harrell, I mean, he plays bigger than he is. 
I'm you got saying, Julius yeah. Randall. You got Julius Randall there, but yeah. I mean, between the two of them, they were. I mean, they're both undersized. You could have got a center or made a move some other kind of way. You would think. Yeah, that that would have made a lot more sense than than what they got. Absolutely, uh, Roy's not going to play defense. He's not going to rebound. He's just going to be there. And, and and this is my whole thing with Hibbert. I understand you have a bad game, but you look at his body language. Attitude. He's got no interest in the outcome of the game. That's what boggles mm-hmm. my mind. No attitude whatsoever. A negative attitude. Get mad. Get get something. Let me know that you care. <laughs> uh, in the in the playoffs, but zero <laughs> points, zero rebounds. How does that a ball? If you're seven foot, a ball will come to you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to accidentally knock one in from somehow. <laughs> exactly. I'm playing basketball. I'm almost forty. I don't even like going in the paint. But every uh-huh. now and then, a ball will fall in my hand when I'm playing pickup. I didn't think it was possible to play. You know. Uh, three straight games, 30 minutes a game, and not get a rebound. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you could do that. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm not happy with the direction of the Lakers, and I think it will take until Kobe retires that they really can kind of blow things up and get back on track. I, I think Genie Bus needs to be in control. Because um, I, I, right now this is the worst stretch in Laker history, period. And I don't think Junior Bus can can pull him out of it, and I don't think Cupcheck, uh, the GM, has enough juice to uh, you know to get the free agents and to make those make those things work. Yeah, yeah. You you know they said that they they wanted uh, somebody to replace Kobe and somebody to be similar to Magic Johnson. Uh, that's why they drafted the the kid out of um, uh, was it Indiana or Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay, yeah, you know that's fine and dandy, and and he's a he's a very fine player, and Julius Randle's a fine player, but you know, even Magic wouldn't have been uh, a, a Hall of Famer if he if he only had the Hibbert to throw it throw inside to. <laughs> you know, Magic had to have somebody to throw it to. Goodness. Hey Terry, Terry, Dad. Dad said today, he said he would take Kareem today after his bypasses over here. I'm Hibbert. telling you, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I, yeah, you could take Kareem. Uh, you could. <laughs> Akeem? <laughs> that sounds horrible. You could, you could almost unearth uh, Will Chamberlain's court. <laughs> and he would, he would get one rebound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Moses Malone today. He, he, yeah. he, I mean Jack Sigma. That was naming off all these guys. He would take uh, over Roy right now. I mean all yeah. those guys from the, the kid that played for the kid that played for Kansas uh, Kansas that uh, Stiffy. You know he oh, could just rebound. Yeah. And, he could rebound and, and block shots. I mean, you put yeah. him in there and and get the ball to yeah. the other offensive players. Hey, you got a center. Yeah, bring back that Slava Medvedenko. Bring him back. Vladi Vladi Divac. But seriously, the, yeah. the the thing is with the Lakers. Once uh, Jerry West left. 
and, and you know, once Jerry Buss uh, passed mm-hmm. away, uh, there's nobody in the organization to tell Kobe no. Right. And you yeah. see that with LeBron in Cleveland, that there's nobody in the structural hierarchy that will say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I read the book Showtime about the Lakers of the 80s, and it was uh, a, a great story of uh, during Magic Johnson's rookie year with Kareem, that they weren't getting along, kind of like Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Best pulled him into his office and with some colorful language said, get over it yeah. because yeah. we need both of you to win. Right. Uh-huh. And, and you can see that when he left the Lakers and ended up at the Grizzlies for a couple of years, that's when the Shaq and Kobe relationship went down. Mm-hmm. And now Junior Bus, he's the owner, but he's a big Kobe fan. Kobe he's fan, yeah. Perfectly yeah. Clear. And, and so Kobe's going to do what he wants to do. Right. There's yeah. The, the the coach doesn't have the juice. The GM doesn't have the juice. Even the owner doesn't have the juice to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, even yeah. even Michael Jordan, you know, fell into line as it were with Phil Jackson. But there's nobody yeah. there that Kobe's going to listen to. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kobe, you know, Kobe's been a really great player in. Uh, uh, to, because of his uh, antics uh, with other players and, and with the Lakers, he doesn't get the, the credit he deserves for being the great player that, that he has been. But his time is is done. It's over. And uh, he needs to let somebody else step in there that's that's going to be the future of the team and, 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 and let the coach coach him. And that's what it's going to take. Exactly. Even even Byron exactly. even Byron Scott can't even say anything to him. No, Byron has got the knowledge, but I'm not sure with Byron, Byron's got the the attitude to to do anything while Kobe's there. Uh, Byron could be a really great coach if uh, when Kobe's gone. <laughs> and, 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 and that's the thing. You need a, a somebody here in the organization. I mean, you look at LeBron. In, in Dwayne Wade in in uh, Miami, Pat Riley was Pat right Riley, there, the yeah. president. Yeah. So even if they didn't really agree with what Spolster was saying, Riley could sit down there, say his handful, you know, put his handful of rings, and say, "Look, this is how it's going to be done." Yeah, yeah. Pat Riley had that personality that that he could take he could take things over, and he did. Yeah, exactly. he had everything in check. So, but. But I'm a I'm a huge Lakers fan. I'm a Kobe oh. guy. <laughs> you make, but, me, me and you, we, me and you're gonna have to go out to dinner somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am a huge Lakers fan. I really, and I have been so frustrated over the past ten years, ten twelve years. It's been been such a frustrating time. And and even I'm the same way. Even ten or twelve years ago, when they were still competing for titles, for my money, and Vinny knows, I say this all the time. They left at least two or three titles on the table. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because with because Shaq and and Kobe could not get along. Get along, yeah. I think, yeah. I think with with Jerry West there, or even a healthy uh, Jerry Buss, if mm-hmm. he was still the owner, it would have been enough to say, "Look, you all need to whatever this is. You all are better together than you are separately." Yeah, yeah. So, and they they had they were young enough they were were um, great enough you're absolutely they could have won uh, two or three more 
And, and we would have and we would have gone ahead of those uh, Boston Celtics in all time wins. That that's yeah, oh, I can't, yeah, you know, that, well, that kills me that we're still behind them. And we should be ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hush. I've I've said enough. I may have said too much. <laughs> oh no, no but, we... but it's been it's been so nice getting to talk with you all. It sure has. You gotta well, call in more we... often, Dad. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll keep it, I'll keep this number handy. I <laughs> I had lost it, my number. And Vinny won't have to set up a time. I'll I'll come down to uh, Harlan. I got no problem getting in the car and heading down there from uh, from the big city. That'd be great. That would be yeah. great. True sure would. And yeah. uh, you know me and well, you know we got me and my wife are running Louisville in a minute, and it's about time for us to do that again. You know we popped up there. We missed you the couple times we were there, but we'll hop up to Louisville again. Uh, I think our guy Roy Wood Jr. is going to do some shows in October. We're thinking about coming up there to see his comedy show. So, uh, yeah, we got to get together next time we're in the Ville. Hey, hey, if we get together in Louisville, we'll have to go out to uh, Jerry Green's club. Yeah, you know, Jerry, well, uh, <laughs> Jerry Green and friends. Yeah, we can we can do that, but that's that, Vinny, we're going to put you on you to coordinate this. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds All great. Right. Sure it does. Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll have to do it. We'll definitely do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, i got to get you down to the mountains for a minute, TB. Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got no I got no problem doing that. Yeah, <laughs> no, get, him, get him down here Memorial Day weekend. Hey, that'd be the that'd be it, TV. Yeah, Dad yeah. throws a little block party. Dad basically throws a little block party barbecue at his house every year. Uh, we got we got singing going on in the garage. We got people performing. You know, I mean, people can really really can sing and perform. You got some blues going. You got old school soul. You got doo wop. You got some people go up and sing a couple of country songs. Every kind of musical genre gets pretty much covered, and it's well covered. Everybody that gets up to sing can sing. And more barbecue than you ever want to eat in your life, and more cakes and pies and cookies. You just have to hop down on that more Memorial Day Saturday TV. That'd be the time to do it. Uh, we can do that. I, I, I might even play some ball with you because I'm, I'm gonna bring my personal trainer with me. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. There you go. We got about five minutes left. We just hit real quick. DeAndre Jordan for the Clippers, who was saying initially that he was going to sign a fridge and deal with the Mavericks. The Clippers are making one last, I love you, please stay. And now he's waffling and teetering on what he wants to do. So you got Clippers players going to Houston where he lives to meet him. You got Mavericks guys and Mark Cuban all flying in. It's a big tug of war thing going on right now. And that's the big free agent story in the NBA. Heck, y'all Lakers fans will take DeAndre right now over Hibbert, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd love, I'd, I'd love it if DeAndre Jordan went. <laughs> and, and yeah, I would absolutely love salt. that. That's rubbing salt in the wounds that the the Clippers are actually having players that the Lakers covet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, yeah. for sixty years, the Lakers wouldn't take anybody off the Clippers roster. <laughs> now here we are. <laughs> Clippers have somebody, they're begging to come back. The Lakers fans are like, well, we'll take him. I mean, yeah. come on. This, this, is, this is a sad, sad day. It this is, is just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just one thing that's bad, 
be lapped by the Clippers? Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, if DeAndre became a Laker, he, he'd probably hit free throws. Yeah. I mean, just give us something. Give us something. I mean, if it gets so bad, Jason Nicholson is going to Clippers games. And when you yeah, lose, yeah. You lose. Hey, can you blame him? Yeah. And when you lose, Jack, you've lost the Lakers. you lost That's the Lakers. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, even the stretches where they haven't been great, they've at least been entertaining. Right. You know, those uh-huh. Jones, Nick Van Exel teams, you know, they were – Playoff teams, but they weren't world beaters, but they were fun right. to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Cedric Sabalos and those guys. But but this bunch, you know, I, I watched a couple of games this season, and there were five guys out there in Laker uniforms. I had no idea who no, anybody I, I was. Know, you know, they were so bad at times, I found myself pulling for the other team. That's as low as I've ever been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to write the NBA and say, stop putting them on TV. Stop. <laughs> I don't want to see them. Yeah, yeah get them and the 76 is off of there. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 you know, uh, usually I, you know, being a West Coast, I'm up late watching Lakers. Uh-huh. My wife said, well, the yeah. Lakers are on TV. I said, I'm not watching them. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, I, 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 turn off, I turn them off several times, and I never, I'd never done that as a Laker fan. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a fair weather fan because if they win, if they lose, because yeah. I watched the 2008 uh, Finals Game Six when Boston just blew them out by 30 points. I watched mm-hmm. every yeah. minute yeah. of that game, so I'm not fair weather. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, not either. But the product they're but, putting out there, I, I put can't something. That. Yeah, put something out there that you that you want to see, they want to watch. That 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 there's, you know, there's hope that this team. You know, may develop into a, a decent team. But there's nothing out there that gives you any hope. Nothing. No. <laughs> and, and that thing, the, as, as a Laker fan, we're not used to this. They have no. never been this horrible no. for uh, this long. You know, you may have to go back to Minneapolis. You know? <laughs> yeah. but and and they, want, they, they were, want their they and they good want championships. And they won some championships up there. Exactly. This is this is, this yeah. is bad. And, and for and for Vinny to talk about uh, Roy Hibbert in the same breath with Mike in and Wilt, it, it, I, I, I might have to punch you next time I see you to even put him in the same. Yeah, like that's, that's that's blasphemy. <laughs> I, was, I was just reciting the the line there. I was just I was just reciting the line. You know, the only th- only thing he got in common with him is seven feet. <laughs> <laughs> Why 
Yeah. I, I, I hope I eat my words, but. Woo. I, yeah, I, I do too. I hope I, I hope he makes me eat every one of them. And if he does, and y'all get me back on the show, I'll say that. I will say that. But uh, he's 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 got as uh, Missourians say, he's got to show me. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to show me. And, and, and the first game he plays, Benny, Benny, I'm gonna be tweeting out every rebound he gets. I'll be celebrating every single rebound. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got uh, the show is about to end. We got everything from here on will be available on the podcast. So our our own air session is over. You can catch everything we do from here on on the rest of the podcast will be up uh, on the rest of the show. Before we do wrap up, TV, I just want to hit your Oreos. Uh, we I did a little update on them. Actually, you, you left uh, last week. You know, when you initially committed to being a fan of them, they were thirty-seven and thirty-three. Uh, they went four and three. So last week that made them forty-one and thirty-six. This week they're forty-three and forty-two. So they had a rough week. They went two and six this week to make them six and nine since you became a fan. So let me just get your thoughts on your new squad. They went from first to third in the AL East, but they're only two games out. Yeah, as soon as I started watching them, they started doing crappy. Uh, I, I watched them play. I watched them play the Rangers on ESPN, I think last week, and they had a pitcher, and I'm learning their names. Uh, but he hadn't given up but a home run all year, and he gave up four in the inning and a half that I watched. So I don't know if I'm a bad luck charm, but uh, I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna watch. They're still my team. I'm still gonna uh, uh, gonna root them on, but. It, it's been brutal the first couple of weeks as a uh, Orioles fan. I see, Dad. Here, the setup, Dad, is that Terry grew up a long time Montreal Expos fan, and so when they went away, he never really picked another team. So uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago, he he kind of had a little recruitment. He had five or six teams he was thinking about, you know, hopping on and becoming a fan of. You know, the Cardinals, yeah, okay. the Reds, the Braves, the Nationals. Uh, Baltimore uh, and the San Francisco Giants. Oh, and he picked, <laughs> he, Yeah, there's a huge Giants and Mets fan. I don't know how that, he does it, but still, <laughs> any, anyway. Uh, he juggles both of them equally somehow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Terry ended up picking Baltimore, so uh-huh. we kind of we, we kind of update what they've done since he became a fan. And okay. They've been up yeah. and down, and, and that's why we kind of – that's kind of a little running theme on the show. What's what's Baltimore doing since Terry became a fan? So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. I see. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to become diehard, but I think I might be the the kiss of death for him. I'm, I'm gonna try my best, <laughs> Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. But but speaking of baseball, <clears throat> you know, I, I, Cincinnati's where the All Star Games is going to be held this year. In fact, yeah. I guess that's next week. I wonder yeah. what would be the chance of a body getting a ticket if he just rode up there. It, it's going to be with your, luck, with your luck. It'll probably you probably get one as soon as you cross the bridge <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought about it. I, I've never been to a, a baseball All Star game. That would be fantastic, and, and to go up and see the home run derby, I'd love to do that. And, and one, that, let me just. You've been a brace fan. I don't mean to cut you off. Let me just get my two cents in because, you know, it's real easy for me to hate the Washington Nationals because they're 
leading the division right now. How Bryce Harper is going back out of the home run derby, not because he's injured, but because his dad is hurt and his dad can't pitch to him in the home run derby. The, the, kid, right. the dude, he, he is good enough to win the home run derby no matter who's pitching. Yeah. But he's going to sit out because his dad was, was surfing or, or snowboarding or something and got hurt, hurt his shoulder. And so wow. his pops can't pitch to him, and so he's going to sit out. This isn't Little League. I mean, just get in there and, and take your cuts. And if you win, you win. If not, you, you don't. But he's good enough no matter who's throwing to get hot and win that home run derby. But that was just kind of – that was just silly. Yeah, and that, I, I just had to I get had, that off I my had, chest. I hadn't heard that. But that was yeah. one other thing that I heard. Ariana Grande was supposed to be the entertainment for for the uh, uh, All-Star game. And she's backed out of that, and, and they're saying that she said she hates Americans, and, and what's what's with that? I heard, I heard a bit about her saying out, something. Yeah, they said she said something, and the security camera picked it up, and she done got herself in some trouble. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't people understand that there's cameras everywhere, especially when you're a celebrity? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Exactly. You you got to be on your guard unless you're sitting in your own house. That's it. That's it. You better nope. check, you know, under, underneath the lampshade at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But she done fooled around and messed up too. Sure has. Yeah. Sounds like it. She might have destroyed her career totally. If that, yeah. If that is the case, sure might have. Nope. Well, I'm on a hush. <laughs> hey, call in next week. Freddie will okay. be on about six o'clock. About ten, about ten after six, we got Freddie set. So, okay, call in, okay. holler at him. We'll be talking UK football. It's SEC Media Day, so we'll get Freddie on. Got another guest in the works that played in the SEC. Didn't play for UK, but we're gonna have potentially two SEC football guests on next week. Oh, great! Sounds great. Surely does. All right. Well, uh, I've enjoyed it. Sure have. And uh, I'll try to catch up with you next week. Thank you very much for giving us a call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you for thank you for listening to me. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> that was good. Hey, good night, Dad. Thanks for calling. Right, Love, you. Love you. Love you. Bye bye. That was Mr. Mel Hardy, my pops. Uh, that was good stuff, y'all. Uh, just kind of. Airing your grievances and, and, and letting some pain out, uh, that was, you know, purple and gold pain. That was that was good stuff. I was just listening to y'all, man. But that's you know, Laker Laker Nation. Dad is right in there with you, and for him, he is especially you know pissed off because <laughs> he started liking the Lakers because of Will, and so now he's looking at Roy Hibbert as your next center. I mean. <laughs> As a Laker fan for, you know, 40, 50 years, and now to go from Wilt to this, he is so hot about it, <laughs> as are you, man, as are you. So it was cool y'all could kind of chat about that and let off steam together. Yeah, and, and like I said, I'm a Kobe fan, but my biggest fear is coming to fruition, and he's, he's holding the uh, the organization hostage. Not so much because before he got injured, I thought he was playing really, really well and and doing things to help the team win, realizing he's not the the 25-shot-a-guy 
uh, night guy that he was uh, a few years ago. But it's the off the court moves, you know, like when Aldridge came in for free agent, and and then the reports are that Kobe said, well, you can be like, you know, Pau Gasol was when we won championships. No, you know, you you've got to you've got to be you've got to let him do his thing, and you've got to be the second guy. So <laughs> I, I don't know. And the, reportedly, the first meeting with the Lakers, you know, Aldridge in L.A. went so bad, uh, they didn't even talk basketball anymore, tried to sell Hollywood to him. And he somehow, someway, gave him another shot in another meeting, but still ultimately ended up going to San Antonio. And and that's, that's the fine line. Uh, it's not like it was in the 80s and even the 90s where – New York and L.A. had these huge, huge advantages because you look at Kevin Durant. I mean, he's Oklahoma City. That's about as least glamorous as a locale is in uh, the NBA, and he's a star. So that's not so much the the selling point for the Lakers. If I were in those meetings, it would be, hey, you can come and you can be the next guy in line. You can be up there with the greats. I'm going to show them the retired jerseys of all the Laker greats. Uh, I think uh, they're probably tied with the Celtics for most Hall of Famers, and, and that would be my selling point. You can you can come here and be part of this. Uh, not so much as Kobe's assistant, but you know you can come be a part of this franchise. Absolutely. So I mean, it's it's. Uh... It's continuing to spiral, and, and like you all have said tonight, it's just hard to see how to pull out of it or what they're going to do or what they're even competent enough to, to try to put together to stem the tide of what's happening. Um, supposedly some breaking news that uh, Adam Schefter is saying that Jason Pierre-Paul, a defensive lineman for the New York Giants, who was injured, in a fireworks accident, has had his finger amputated from that accident. So that was, you know, a bad decision to do what he was doing with the fireworks. That was him on Instagram, you know, rapping about what he's going to do with the fireworks, and then he has his accident. He was not under contract, had a deal on the table that he hadn't signed, and the Giants withdrew the offer, and now, according to Adam Schefter, he's had to have a finger amputated. So this is, Wow crazy stuff going on there. Yeah, that's uh, – well, and, and that's part of the thing is if you are an athlete, you, you've got to you've got to think more. Uh, and you've got to take care of yourself and not put yourself in ridiculous situations. Uh, you know, fireworks, you know, go to your downtown or your local town and they're fighting – they're lighting off fireworks. You know, donate to that for some bigger fireworks. Why are you setting it off at your house? That's just me, that, you know. Yeah, and he, he brought, like, a big truckload of fireworks to his house. He loaded it up. So he knew he was about to just really get down, and he got down all right. And now, I mean, this, you know, you think of guys that, you know, you know, there's baseball players that have said, you know, I, I, I fell down some steps when they find out they've, you know, been doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, you got Kellen Winslow, you know, wrecking in the parking lot on the motorcycle when he was with the Cleveland Browns. That's one of the famous ones. Um, 
Roy McElroy, the number one golfer in the world, just you know messed his ankle up playing soccer. I mean, he's not a football player or anything like that, but you know, with majors coming up, you think, well, eh, maybe he should have just been doing some cardio or something on a treadmill. Uh, so he might be out for the the Open Championship. Uh, it's you know that's part of the the downside is part of the thing. There's some things you can and can't do. You just can't jump out and run and do this and do that like anybody else. Uh, you know, that contract is great, but there's some things you just got to refrain from while you're under that contract, while you are a high-level athlete. Well, and, and that's uh, a lot of what the contract negotiations are about. You know, with the rookie wage scales and with the, the caps on different contracts in the league, your your money is almost set, you know, but it's different things like that, things you can and can't do. And I think it was Will Clark, the baseball player, that had a clause in that he could still play, you know, pick up basketball games because he liked to do that. And I want to say Greg Maddox had some sort of something like that that he wanted to do that usually you're not allowed to do. So that's what a lot of those negotiations are about are things you can and can't do, uh, you know, off the court, off the field. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's all in that language, uh, all in the lawyer speak, a phrase here, a comma there, a preposition placement. You know, it, it's it's very minute and minuscule, but it means a whole lot if you have to go back and refer to that contract should something happen. Exactly, exactly. Man, we had another... Big time show. I think we we covered a lot. There was a lot to talk. We 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 had to give the U.S. women some love uh, for winning the first World Cup since 1999 uh, in impressive fashion. I talked from Harlan County Black Rest Football with Eddie Creech. Talked UK Wildcats in the NBA Summer League because there's a lot of them doing a lot of good things, and it'll be October before you know it, and you know. Um, their rookie seasons will start in earnest very soon. I uh, want to see Aaron Harrison continue to to play well, continue to impress the Charlotte Hornets, uh, who need a backup point guard. It would be nice to see him lock on there. And you know he's got a chip on his shoulder uh, because he, he wasn't drafted, and he's so far so good for him in the summer league. Talked a lot of Lakers because, you know, Aldridge did not go there. Uh, Roy Hibbert has been traded there, and it just looks like it's going to be another long year on paper. Um, and also talked DeAndre Johnson being DeAndre Jordan being right in the middle of a big time tug of war battle. Uh, you got Mark Cuban in Dallas, uh, who thought they had him in the fold. Now he's getting a little homesick, wanting to stay with Doc Rivers in Lob City, even though him and Chris Paul supposedly had beef and weren't on the same page, and Chris Paul is kind of hard to play with and maybe uh, is a little too demanding and too hard and too up in everybody's face all the time. Uh, supposedly DeAndre wanted to get away from that, but now he's wanting to stay with Lob City. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Covered all of that and, and had a lot of fun. And like I said, got SEC Media Days to look forward to next week and two SEC football players that will join us next week. First one being Freddie Maggot, another Holland Countyan fellow, Holland Countyan, great UK quarterback. 
Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the big blue, and no doubt we'll see what happens with Coach Stoops and the fellas with what they have to say in Birmingham or Hoover, which is right beside of Birmingham, but y'all know what I'm saying. But a lot of fun stuff. And this is kind of, to be a dead period, this might be the busiest summer ever as far as not really having that dull dragon period. I mean, so far it's been hopping every single week. Yeah, that's what I would say at the top of the show. It's usually kind of you're, you're kind of picking and choosing what uh, you know what what you can do, uh, what you can talk about. But we've had an abundance of topics, you know, thanks to the Women's World Cup and some other things. Yeah, so uh, the fun will not stop. Join us again next week, six o'clock. Uh, TB Terry Brown and myself will be right here again on Cast Talk. On the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, Brown and Hardy Radio Network on BlogTalkRadio.com, man. Have a good evening. Try to stay dry. Um, and when it does break and you get a chance to cut the grass, you're going to have to go slow. I mean, you know how it, it's frustrating when you got to go slow because if you don't, it's just going to cut the mow off every time and you're going to have to restart it. <laughs> and, and it's going to be choking the mower out because it's that wet, soggy, soft grass and it's thick and you just can't run and do it quick like you normally can when you can cut it on a regular basis. You know how it is. I understand. I know how it goes. <laughs> Man, appreciate the TV. And uh, everybody check them out on Wildcat Blue Nation. Check us out on CameronMillsRadio.com. Uh, and check us out again next Wednesday for another fun show on Cast Talk. Have a safe Evening, good night, everyone. Hope your rest of your Wednesday goes well. We'll holler at y'all next week.